Hi, and welcome to Germs and Worms, a podcast about all things interesting and infectious. Hi, I'm Miguel. And I'm Diana. And we're two microbiologists uh, from Canada and physicians who want to share interesting facts about microbiology and infectious diseases. And learn a bit along the way. Um, Just a bit of background about us. We both work in a clinical lab, so that's a, a lab that handles patient samples here in Vancouver, Canada. And we're both physicians, as I said. We've looked after people with uh, various infections um, in our careers. And Miguel uh, continues to look after patients in the hospital. So uh, just a bit about our show. We're just going to have brief uh, episodes about different topics in microbiology or infectious diseases. I should give a little bit of a disclaimer. We will talk about gross things and sometimes even death. So listener discretion is advised. Yes. So this episode's topic, our first episode, is um, we're going to discuss what we think is the world's worst pathogen. So we should probably start off by explaining what is a pathogen. Uh, And really, a pathogen is just something, usually something infectious, that causes disease. So there's different types of pathogens that typically uh, affect humans. So there are viruses, bacteria, fungi, uh, and parasites. That's a a little summary to get us going. Uh, I think another point that we wanted to touch on was how do you define the worst? And there's a lot of different ways you could do that. Some of the things that we thought of included what kills the greatest number of people in total in the history of the world. Or how how many people are infected with it, um, especially over history. Yep. Um, What is the deadliest in terms of Uh, causing you to die if you get it on an individual basis. And then another way to measure it is uh, morbidity. Uh, So how much disability and years of life lost does this disease cost? Right. So um, the final way that we were going to discuss as well is just sort of the scare factor around diseases. So things that strike fear into our hearts or uh, make us uh, lose sleep at night because they're so terrifying. Right. So... Why don't we start with the first criteria? So a disease uh, that affects the most people in the world and possibly has caused most deaths in the world. And that disease is tuberculosis. So um, I'll take it away from here, Miguel, but uh, a little bit about tuberculosis. Or why why don't we set the scene first? Imagine this. Say you live back in the 1800s in... Uh, the Industrial Revolution in a big city like New York. Uh, You work with a lot of coal dust and live in not the best housing and uh, don't have the best diet. And one day you go to your neighbor's house and you notice that your neighbor looks pretty rough. They're coughing a lot. They're kind of coughing up some blood into their handkerchief. And you think, ooh, that doesn't look too good. But there's not much you can do about it. So you go home and go on living your life. And uh, your neighbor dies. But then... Uh, a year or two later, you start having a cough and, and losing weight and having fevers and that sort of thing. Um, so this is a little a little sketch of what tuberculosis might have been like back in the day, but still um, follows a similar pattern. It's caused by a bacteria, so not something you can see with the naked eye, but you can see it under a microscope. Uh, it's called Mycobacterium tuberculosis. And it has a special waxy coating on the outside that kind of helps it resist um, antibiotics and survive in the environment. And then if you inhale that bacteria, which uh, enters the air when someone who's infected coughs, 
um, or sneezes, then it enters your body. And sometimes what happens is your immune system takes control of it and uh, sort of walls it off in a little cavity in your lung. And you don't even really know that you're sick. And then sometimes if uh, other circumstances arise, you're on a certain medication or you're malnourished or have chronic diseases, it will reactivate and cause tuberculosis, which uh, usually affects the lungs, but can affect really any uh, body system um, at all. Yeah. I always remember the story of Moulin Rouge, this movie where one of the main characters, Satine, which was played by... Nicole Kidman, maybe? Yeah, Nicole yeah. Kidman. I was struggling to remember <laughs> who it was. Nicole Kidman. She was um, dying of consumption. And uh, in that movie, she coughed up blood in one scene and uh, eventually uh, died. Yeah, and I think that sort of is descriptive of what the disease tuberculosis is like. It used to be called consumption because it slowly consumed you. You would lose weight and become very pale uh, and generally look not very healthy. Um, until you slowly succumbed to the, the disease. And I think also that's another good point about Moulin Rouge because I'm not sure exactly what year it's set in, but it's sort of thought of as an old-fashioned disease in a lot of ways. Um, and certainly it was more common at a time when uh, general sanitation was poor and people lived in more crowded housing conditions and it was more easily spread. But still a, a good portion of the world... Um, has to deal with those conditions and and tuberculosis is more common in those areas but even in areas in Canada like Nunavut for example where um, there are still issues with uh, lack of housing and people live in close, close quarters I guess. The treatment is pretty long in duration isn't it Diana? That's right yeah that's another um, thing that makes it challenging is because of this waxy coating on the bacteria and the fact that they divide pretty slowly uh, it takes anywhere from six to 18 plus months of three or more antibiotics to uh, be able to get rid of the disease. And so it's not something straightforward where you can just take pills for two days and it's, it's taken care of. Um, so that probably also contributes to the persistence and spread of it a little bit. One of the reasons it killed so many people is that we didn't have any treatments for it until the 1950s and 1960s. Yeah, and there's a lot of interesting history around that because uh, at one point some physicians really thought that um, living a, a healthy lifestyle, like living out in the country with lots of fresh air and uh, a hearty diet was actually the cure for tuberculosis. And some of that might have been true and at least some of that might have helped reduce the spread of it and that, you know, if you have better nutrition, you're more likely to have a stronger immune response that will, you know, help fight the disease um, and probably just giving you some fresh air would help spread the, help prevent spreading the disease to your neighbors and things like that. Um, but because of that, there were all these uh, places called sanatoriums created. And I think uh, a certain amount of the migration west in the U.S. to cities like Colorado Springs and Santa Fe, some of that was driven by uh, people who had tuberculosis and their doctors recommended they go where the air is fresh and uh, try to take the cure. Very interesting. Yeah. What did you say the estimate was of how many people are currently infected with tuberculosis? Yeah, according to the World Health Organization, about a third of the world's population is infected with the latent version of tuberculosis. So that's the one 
where your immune system manages to wall it off and you don't actually have symptoms at the time. Um, but that's still a pretty whopping estimate. A third of the whole population of the world is infected. So I think we, we didn't yet mention um, its relationship to HIV and the fact that uh, in, in Africa, where there's lots of uh, co-infection with HIV and uh, tuberculosis, um, being infected with HIV makes the progression to active TB much more likely. Well, that also happens in North America too, of course. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that um, we have seen a bit of a resurgence in tuberculosis along with the recent HIV epidemic. Um, one final point, I guess, about tuberculosis before I uh, pass the torch to Miguel is that uh, in the history of time, it's thought to be responsible for the death of over a billion people. Wow, that's yeah. a lot of people. It's a lot of people. It's a real killer. So another uh, criteria we were thinking of was morbidity. Which disease causes the most morbidity? Uh, what morbidity is, is not mortality per se, where you, you die right away from the disease, but um, you get the disease and then you suffer some sort of disability that reduces your um, good years of life left or it reduces, it reduces your uh, lifespan. Um, I always think of this other 80s movie it's uh, called Princess Bride where the uh, where the um, hero was uh, captured and then tortured that was quite traumatic uh, watching that as a child but, but a fantastic movie though I have to say yes yes very good it's a very great it's a great movie a favorite of mine uh, but there was this machine you remember this machine in this movie the torture machine it, it was like this these suction cups attached to a water wheel and anyway it would attach to the it, attached, it was the, uh, the bad guy uh, attached these suction cups onto the, uh, onto the uh, hero and uh, sucked life out of him for each uh, turn of the wheel. So um, that's how, one way of thinking of morbidity is uh, this machine sucking life out of you. So There you go. Right. <laughs> nice. So in front of me, I'm looking at this article from, um, from the Lancet Infectious Disease, which uh, is the Global Burden of Disease Study, and published in uh, 2015. And the Global Burden of Disease, what does that really mean, Miguel? So this is uh, looking at um, which diseases cause uh, the most problems uh, in the entire world. And, and the number one um, disease here is actually diarrheal disease. <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily think so, though, right? Right, right. Diarrhea, you just let it go, drink some uh, <laughs> soup and uh, or Gatorade and you're all better, right? But um, And so why would diarrheal disease be such a contributor to people's disability and death? Well, for one, it's very, very common. Um, in much of the developing world, sanitation isn't so good, uh, as, as we all know. And um, particularly children under five years old uh, get lots and lots of diarrheal disease. And I, I should say... The definition of diarrhea is loose stools more than three times in 24 hours, um, and which is unusual for most people to have. Okay, interesting. And what kind of things would cause diarrhea in terms of this uh, global burden of disease? Very good question. So diarrhea isn't just one disease, so it's caused by um, a lot of different agents. So there's viruses like Norwalk virus or rotavirus. And then there's bacterial causes uh, like E. coli uh, and Shigella and Salmonella. And then we have occasional parasitic causes like Cryptosporidium and Giardia. Um, so all of these combined um, make up uh, a lot of the diarrheal disease in the world. 
And unfortunately, when you combine that with um, pre-existing malnutrition and um, poor sanitation, that's really what leads to um, the mortality in the children uh, under five years old. They're, they're already immunocompromised from being malnourished. They're not going to get uh, that great health care as well. Um, and so the mortality uh, due to diarrhea really rises um, the lower the socioeconomic class um, you're coming from, unfortunately. I feel like there's some puns that I might be missing out on here. Like your health really goes down the drain when you have an episode of diarrhea. <laughs> right. In 2015, uh, this paper says that there were 1.3 million deaths due to diarrhea. And then uh, anywhere from 50 to 70 million disability adjusted life years lost due to diarrhea. So that's pretty significant. So those disability adjusted life years would be like the life that you live, including all of the lost life, as well as the um, lower quality of life related to the diarrhea. Is that right? Right, right. Absolutely. Your time after the torture wheel. Okay, well, I think we've um, covered some things that affect a lot of people. Some of them uh, kill them as well. Uh, But this is a disease that I always think of as a very bad disease because if you get it, you're almost 100% likely to die. Do you know what I'm talking about, Miguel? I think so, Diana. Is it rabies? You are right. It is rabies. Um, So again, a bit of an old-fashioned disease, at least in my mind. And I think we all know that you can get rabies from being bitten by a rabid dog. But there are a bunch of other animals that can carry rabies. In Canada, I think... While there are very few cases of rabies, bats are probably the most likely exposure, but some smaller animals like raccoons and other rodents can um, can ca- carry the, the virus. But essentially what happens is you get bitten or exposed to the saliva of an infected person or animal, and then the virus travels uh, along the length of your nerves and eventually to your nervous system, your brain and your, your spinal cord. Um, and then you start to get some weird and unpleasant symptoms. Um, So, you know, at at the beginning, those can just be kind of weird symptoms like a flu, um, but then you can um, have some weird problems sensing hot and cold and some elements of paralysis. And then once it really enters your brain, um, you can become very agitated or uh, on the opposite side of things, you can go into a coma. Um, and I, I guess there's this also this classical picture of someone foaming at the mouth because you have these horrible muscle spasms in your mouth and throat that lead you to to froth at the mouth. Sounds pretty dramatic. I think you're in the running for also most dramatic and scary death here. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's a fair point. Actually, a little bit of uh, trivia. One of the words in Spanish for um, rabies is rabia, which also means rage. Um, and I think, you know, even in, in English, like rabid right. is used to describe the disease, but also like a, a way of being in terms of a very angry person. But anyway, if you do uh, get to the point where you are actually having symptoms of rabies, uh, unfortunately, your odds are very poor for survival. There are only a handful of cases that have been documented where someone recovers from this stage of disease. Um, so... The, the better thing to do is to prevent getting exposed at all. And there are vaccines for people who deal with animals like vets uh, or people who are traveling who might be in areas where rabies is quite common. And then there's also a lot of uh, efforts in the veterinary community to have uh, domestic animals 
vaccinated and even um, to put out food uh, to wild animals that has vaccine in it so that they uh, eat it and, and become um, unable to transmit it themselves. So that's my case for rabies. I think it's a, a pretty terrifying disease and also one that's almost guaranteed to kill you if you catch it. Right, right. I heard um, the story of the couple people who may have survived rabies. Can you describe what they went through? Right. So that's a, a good thing to bring up because uh, there's this one famous case of a teenage girl uh, in Milwaukee who was exposed to a bat and developed rabies. And um, everyone thought she was going to die. But the intensive care doctor who was taking care of her um, did a whole bunch of research about the way that the virus invades your body and the, the abnormalities it causes in your um, the electrical conduction system in your heart and all of the different ions in your blood and basically developed a protocol to very carefully monitor this girl and uh, control all these problems and also put her into an induced uh, coma and an induced hypothermia. Uh, the idea being that if they could cool her body, um, they could slow the progression of the virus until the immune system was able to kick in and, and get it under control. Wow. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting case. And now she, I looked her up on the internet the other day, she actually uh, goes on speaking tours and um, you can have her come do a presentation about uh, rabies and her survival. She's she's made a not complete recovery, but enough recovery that she's married and now has children. So Wow, that, that's an amazing story. Yeah. So, um... We'll move on to the last category, which is the most dramatic and scary disease or out there. Uh, and um, I'm thinking of one that's quite related to rabies uh, in that it's probably the same um, natural carrier in the uh, environment. Are you thinking hmm. what I'm thinking? Is it one that's been in the news a lot in the past few years? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, Ebola. Ah. So probably before 2014, nobody knew what Ebola was. Uh, but uh, around 2014, there was this large um, outbreak of um, Ebola uh, virus disease uh, occurring in Africa. Um, so Ebola is a virus, um, and it's a very you know, small virus that's... Uh, probably naturally occurring in fruit bats. And um, fruit bats can come in contact with humans directly or with another animal and infect the, that animal with uh, Ebola. And then a human can come in contact uh, later on with that animal and get the disease. So is that like when hunters would be um, you know, killing meat or eating bats or other animals? Is that the idea? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, there's a big bushmeat trade in, um, in Africa where uh, um, people could potentially get exposed to Ebola that way. So I think there were maybe about 30,000 cases of Ebola uh, in uh, between 2014 to 2017, this large outbreak. Um, and as you probably heard in the news, uh, there was a high fatality rate uh, for these. Um, I think the average was about 40%, but historically it's been higher for Ebola, right? I remember when I was um, younger and, you know, they have some of these books that are written in sort of a, a pop culture way about infectious diseases to make them like interesting and dramatic. Um, reading a book about Ebola, uh, I think it was an outbreak in Zaire back in like the 1970s. And... Because it is so fatal and because it kills people so quickly, um, the theory in the book was that 
it wouldn't really be a very good disease um, to spread around the world and cause an epidemic because you're going to die so quickly that you wouldn't have time to spend around other people to expose them so that the disease could spread. Right. But there was something kind of different with this outbreak, and we're not even sure really why. Uh, Perhaps the virus may have mutated a little bit to become more easily transmissible from person to person. Uh, But we do know that mostly um, the transmission was from people looking after their sick relatives or healthcare workers looking after ill patients. Uh, So that was the most probable common transmission, um, I think. And I guess it's pretty scary, too, because when you are infected, all of your bodily fluids also have the virus in it. So, um, you know, touching pretty much any part of your relative could infect you. That's part of the scariness of it. So I guess the first part of the scariness of it is there's no cure. The second part is that you can die a fairly gruesome death with um, Ebola hemorrhagic fever where you start to bleed uncontrollably. And then the third part is that it's uh, highly transmissible. So in the news, you see people wearing these hazmat suits type of thing in order to prevent transmission. And uh, we know that even using these type of suits, if you weren't perfect in their use and you had broken protocols somewhere or another, even though it was very minor, um, we've had people, uh, healthcare workers who came back with Ebola. I would say that any disease that requires wearing a hazmat suit has a very poor prognosis. <laughs> Those are our four diseases that uh, we talked about. Um, tuberculosis, it infects and kills a lot of people over the world. Diarrhea, it's not glamorous, but uh, it does affect a lot of people. And especially in children, it can be pretty devastating. And then rabies, which is a highly, highly fatal uh, disease. And we, we, uh, we only have a couple of people who have known to survive it. And Ebola, that uh, scary disease that recently caused an epidemic in Africa and uh, can make you bleed from everywhere. Those are our four candidates. And why don't you tell us, uh, listeners, uh, what you think is the most um, worst pathogen in the world. And you can email us uh, either Miguel, M-I-G-U-E-L, or Diana. D-I-A-N-A. D-I-A-N-A, yeah. At germsandworms.ca. So stay tuned for our next podcast. I think, what is the topic of our next podcast? I think we're going to talk about uh, famous people and the infectious diseases that killed them. Stay tuned. Thanks. Bye.